The only way that anybody could ever have more sex than Golgo 13 is if Golgo 13 had sex with himself. <laughs> on top of everyone else. Literally on top of them. He was standing on top of them when it happened. <laughs> Are you recording? I, ju- I recorded that. Like I, <laughs> I Which is good timing. This is Gamers Podcast number 24, recorded on Monday, December 14th, 2009, from a broken-down shack deep in the mountains of feudal Japan. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Gamers Podcast. I am your host, Evan Minto, also known as Vamptvo, and with me today is a hero who possesses the Triforces of Wisdom, Courage, and Power, Mitchell Dyer. Ninja Dogs. <laughs> today we are going to be talking about the best movie ever, maybe. It is sort of The Stranger, and it is an anime movie that's really awesome. And in case you missed that, that is Sword, as in, like, the stabbing kind, not Sort of The Stranger. <laughs> he's sort of he's sort, sort of, of Stranger. He's sort of The Stranger, but you kind I of... I might have seen him before. Looks familiar. Yes. <laughs> seen him around town. <laughs> yes, um... What have you been doing? What have I been doing? What have I been playing? I haven't been playing anything. I'm reading books about video games right now. Really? Sad as that sounds. Yeah, it's for a feature I'm working on, which you'll see at gamesradar.com eventually. I have no idea when. But I am reading video game novels to find out whether or not they're totally shitty or totally awesome so far. Pretty much they are. Yeah, that's pretty much what's going to happen. The Metal Gear Solid 2 novel made me hate Metal Gear Solid 2, which is like my favorite oh my game God. of all time. I didn't think that was possible. Did it make the Metal Gear Solid 2 plot seem comprehensible? No, it made it worse. Like, I oh, know God. that game's story is nonsense. But if you read it in a novel, you're like, alright, so there's a vampire, and he ballet dances on poison water, and he throws knives at a guy and attacks him by pulling on his shadow. Yeah. What? It was crazy enough to begin with. Right, and if you read that in a book, it's nonsense. So, don't read that. Heads up, FYI, in case you were interested in Metal Gear Solid 2, the novelization. (laughs) There's a large market for that. Totally, totally. Um, oh, what I have been playing. I haven't played anything on retail in a while, but I did blaze through Assassin's Creed 2 for the second time. The second time? I yeah. haven't even played it the first time. I did, a, I did a feature on that before it came out, and then I loved it so much that I bought it, and I plowed through it and got a thousand gamer score. Oh, God. Oh, it was... Don't, we can't talk about this game anymore, because I am so just going to run out and just buy it right now. Do, do, you don't own it, man. Game of the year. It is seriously <laughs> like the best game of 2009. I love it. Yes, I'm. I'm going to play it very soon. I hated um, the first Assassin's Creed, man, but this game, whew, oh, it's good times. Oh god, the first Assassin's Creed. I liked it at the beginning, but then I just recently finally got back to beating it, and it is brutally terrible in the second half. Really? Is, I could. I was forcing myself through that game. I'm three hours into the first one for the second time. Like, I restarted thinking, okay, I'm going to play it this time. Got to the exact same spot, and I was like, nope, this game's really boring. But yeah, the second one, man, it picks up the pace a whole bunch. Like, it adds a good story, decent characters. Uh, It gives you missions you actually want to do, as opposed to a (laughs) bunch of the same shit you don't want to do. Yeah, I want to go chase down a bunch of flags again. Right. And they kind of have that same kind of stuff in Assassin's Creed 2. 
but it rewards you for it instead of just making it totally useless. Yeah. Like, you're constantly getting new, like, money for different armor or weapons, and you're unlocking a bunch of secrets, and it's really cool. You're just, you're constantly getting new stuff and getting access to new areas to explore. Stuff like that. Alright, what else you got? Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm, I'm reaching <laughs> around my room here. Uh, I finished Mass Effect for the fourth time while we're talking about games that nobody cares about anymore. <laughs> I'm actually playing Mass Effect. I, I'm so behind on everything, so I'm playing Mass Effect for the first time. Oh, really? Now. Wow. Uh, and I, I like it. Welcome it to 2007. Cool. What, what do you like about yeah. Mass Effect? <laughs> um, I mean, well, what I don't like about it is... Oh, that's, so uh, far that's a good start. So far, there hasn't been a lot of action. I will say that. Um, and I'm not liking doing just random errands for people. And I'm sort of wondering in the in like the super high-tech future, why do I even need to go to someone's office to have a meeting with them when I could just talk to right, them via holographic video phone. phone? That's what I'm thinking. Like, do these people not have cell phones? No doubt. But, uh, but anyway, it is actually... Um, I, I'm still trying to figure my way through the combat, but... Uh, one of the things I really like, uh, if, if you've been reading Gamers, I just recently did an article about the lack of a morality system in Far Cry 2, and uh, I'm particularly interested in morality systems in games, and uh, I like that Mass Effect, you're still, a, at least so far, you're still a good guy, even if you're what, what you would usually call like an evil character. You're just sort of an anti-hero, you're a rebellious good character you're still working toward the greater good i think you know so far i have only a couple hours through but i really like that that aspect and um the um leveling up is also the other part that i really like because it's it just it's very rewarding when you get all the uh you get those skills as you go along every time you reach a, a certain level in your uh in uh, i'm not sure i forget what they're called but when you reach a certain level in your skills you get these special abilities yeah you get like might. extra traits right sort of like like perks which is a term i know from, from fallout but uh that's really cool and you at least in the beginning you're leveling up pretty quickly so you've got that constant feeling of just making your characters better and better and the characters are pretty fun on a similar note uh dragon age is a lot like that i just i just started right. playing that recently come to think of it and it has a lot of the it's basically i heard somebody describe it as a nice in shining armor of the old, old republic and that is probably the <laughs> best description you can apply to that game. It's like a really good mix of Knights of the Old Republic and Mass Effect. And it has a really interesting take on the morality system, insofar as it doesn't really have morality. You make choices, but it doesn't affect this binary scale of good and evil. It just affects... Right, that's, that's exactly the thing I talked about in my Far Cry article. Okay. That I, I, I prefer it when it's affecting the things that happen around you, but it's not. it's not just like moving you along this scale that, you know, like in Fable, where you're just good or evil. It's like, I don't care if I'm good or evil, I care what my actions do to the world. Okay, well, there's a co-op shooter coming out in January for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 that you are either going to love or hate because of its morality system. Personally, I think it is stupid. But what, what game? I can't say. I oh. There. I'm going to timestamp that, and I'm going to bleep that. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, yeah, it just has, like, this really borked, dumb morality system that you make a binary choice, and basically no matter what choice you make, it doesn't really matter. 
because there's always a bad outcome, and it's trying to make you think, like, oh, choices don't always have a good and bad outcome, you know, that kind of thing. Right. But anyway, in Dragon Age, the way they do it is you make a choice, and it affects the way your teammates perceive you, and you develop relationships based on your decisions, as well as by chatting to them. So as you're right. uh, helping out a little boy or telling him to buzz off, whatever, uh, different members of your teammates are going to react differently to how you respond to people within the world. And as opposed to just getting, you know, a red or blue aura around you, mm-hmm. you're going to develop re- relationships with certain characters or not. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I think, that's yeah, like that sounds like something realistic you definitely consequences. Be into. Yeah, I'll probably play that game in the, at the rate I'm going... 2011-ish? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'll get there eventually. Uh, is that all you've been doing? Have you been reading any manga, watching any anime? Other than no. Sword of the Stranger? Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> I keep, I have Oz Manga Dio, and I keep looking at it, and I'm like, mm, nah. The I'm manga or the, the uh, or the anime? The anime. Oh. I don't, I don't know if you would be into Oz Manga Dio. I have heard that I will and that I won't, so I'm kind of excited to see whether I will or I won't. Yeah, it's Moe, and I've I heard, usually but don't it's like also Moe, kind of but it's also very funny. A joke funny. on Moe, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny, it's... One of my favorite anime comedies, I would say, despite the fact that it's sort of creepy because it was published in a magazine for adult men. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Did not know that. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Same as Yotsuba, actually. Or Yotsubato. Um, which is about like an eight-year-old girl or something. Good lord. Yep. Fucking Japan. <laughs> All right. Um, I see so you're done, right? Oh, yes. No, I rambled doing. on about nothing for a good 20 minutes there. All right, cool. So I have been watching, well, I just finished a couple weeks ago, Irresponsible Captain Tyler. Oh, uh, dude, I need to start that. I watched the beginning of it a while ago, and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. It's like this sci-fi comedy, like a, I hate this term, but it's like a dramedy, like it's a drama with comedy aspects. Um, but it's, I wouldn't call it a flat-out comedy, because there aren't a lot of points where it makes you laugh out loud. It's just the drama where a lot of times you're just chuckling at the things the characters do. And okay. the thing I didn't like about it is it, it introduces this weird harem plot partway through. And it's not a full-on love Hina harem, but pretty much all the women on the ship are in love with Captain Tyler. And it, yeah, and it's just, it's like, at least he's not one of those stupid, bland harem characters that have no personality. He has a lot of personality, and that's part of what makes the show so fun because he's just this laid-back captain who, you know, was sort of accidentally promoted to captain and he's just this lazy dude and he is irresponsible, as the name suggests. Uh, I've heard people draw a lot of parallels to Trigun in his character. In, in yeah. Like, he, he and Vosh Stampede are same in that they're these, they keep getting into this dumb luck, but you're like, oh, is it luck or is he definitely just like a secret badass? Right, it's that whole... Uh, I. That seemed to happen a lot in um, in the 90s, now that I think about it. But, like, Trigun, Kenshin, uh, and Tyler, these characters are all this this same sort of idea, where you're not sure if they're... And everybody keeps oh, saying... Oh, please, if you've seen Samurai X, you know that Kenshin is definitely not in luck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Samurai X. The only film. Kenshin you should watch. Yes. <laughs> watch Samurai X, Trust and Betrayal, and you will forever thank me for suggesting that. On a, on a um, side note, real quick, Dave and Joel sent me that box set a really? while back, and uh, I still haven't got to that last movie, the one that takes place after the series, because I've heard it is super depressing. 
Oh, is it? So I, I, yeah. So anytime I get that out, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch the finale. I just end up watching Samurai X: Trust and Betrayal. Yeah, I've seen Trust and Betrayal, like a Chinese bootleg of it or something at some point. <laughs> and um, I saw one of them. I think the Samurai, the one you're talking about, is I think the one that I've seen, which was, I was when I saw it, I was too young to actually tell if it was good or not. I was just like, hey, it's Kenshin. I like Kenshin. This movie's pretty cool. Good logic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, also, you're going to hate the twins in Captain Tyler. That's the last thing I'm, I'm going to say. They are no. the most annoying thing to ever come onto the screen, <laughs> especially in Japanese. Their voices are, like, super high-pitched, and they'll break your eardrums. Ugh. Uh, so, I mean, I already sort of talked about one thing I'm playing, so I will briefly mention I am playing Explosion Man, and uh, I know you... Couldn't beat the first boss? No, man, I suck at that game. I watched a YouTube video, and I was like, oh, that's how you do it. But yeah, I'm really bad at Explosion Man. Explosion Man is so good. That game I is just... incredibly satisfying. Yeah, it's so addicting. And it, here's, here's how it works. Your lab experiment gone wrong, and you explode when you press any of your four face buttons. Uh, and you just run around exploding, and when you explode, you, you sort of you jump up. It's essentially a jump and an attack at the same time. And you can do three of them in midair before you hit the ground, and then you have to sort of get your, your power back. And it's just a platformer. You just you meet all these different obstacles. But it just does such a good job of being difficult without being too frustrating, and it, it introduces new elements as you go along. In a, a, I mean, it's not original, but it's just well-executed. That, yeah, that is what that game does best. They give you this limited palette of, palette of abilities, one, which is explode and launch in the air a little bit, but you can do it right. three times. So that gives them the opportunity to set up these insanely clever platforming segments where you're ro- like rocketing off of barrels, launching up through like enclosing walls, stuff like that, and it's just really creative. Yeah, and a lot of the levels are, they introduce you to some sort of new challenge, but it's a new challenge <laughs> each level, and then a couple levels later, it'll combine the challenges. So it's giving you piece by piece all the building blocks for a complicated level, and by the time you get to the complicated level, you've dealt with each piece separately. Right. And so you can sort of figure out your way through through all of them put together. So you sort of realize when you go back, you're like, I, wow, you know, you've, you've come a long way because you've learned how to deal with all of these different challenges that the game throws at you. And also, the end of the level, like, a lot of times you're getting just rocketed into this room that you just, you reach a room at the end, and then you get your high score, and you move on to the next level by pressing A. So, you're, you're pressing A to explode, and you rocket into this room, and you press A again, and it just loads the next level, which is just so, it makes it so addicting, because I, I, I just go right into the next level, because Whoops. I'm just oh, like, well, anyway. I just, yeah, I just pressed A, I mean, might as well wait for the next level to load. Uh, that, yeah. that game is That's what really I'm looking good. forward to going back to when I have the time. Yeah, that is on Xbox Live Arcade for 800 points. Uh, fantastic. Pick it up. The co-op's are really good, too, and I hear they patched it, so now it's not broken, which is good. Which means that you should get Xbox Live, so we can play Explosion Man co-op. Yeah, I should, well, I have silver, but yes, yeah, so I should get Xbox Live Gold, so I can actually play Heck yes. Uh, that would be pretty cool. And what I've been reading is The Art of Osamu Tezuka, which is by Helen McCarthy, and it is a very... Big book with a lot of um, a lot of pretty pictures. That was that was really eloquent. I like that. Hang on, you know what else has really pretty pictures of Osamu Tezuka art? Osamu Tezuka comics. Truth. What makes <laughs> Maybe this book I should so have spent my money on Osamu Tezuka comics instead of a book about them. Right. But uh, no, but it's got a lot of stuff that's not released in English 
uh, and these these full page spreads of of um, a lot of his comics and a lot of his old like fifties comics and things like that. And it's got his whole history, uh, photos of him throughout his life, uh, and sort of some some critical analysis of his works. Uh, and pretty much, you would have to be the biggest Osamu Tezuka expert in the world to not learn something from that book. Because it just covers, it covers, I believe, every single, he actually like gives a page to every single work he has ever done. Holy and wow. if you know Osamu Tezuka... He did a lot of stuff. So it is, it's eye-opening for anybody. And plus, it has got a never-before-translated DVD in the back. I have it over here. Let me check what the DVD is called. It is The Secret of Creation, and it, it's a Japanese documentary about Tezuka that has not been translated before. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And I, I bought it for $35 at the New York Anime Festival, and Ed Chavez told me that the DVD is worth $35, let alone the book <laughs> that it comes with. Uh, and I'm, I'm almost done with that. I'll probably have a review up soonish after I'm done with it, uh, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So that's what we've been doing. It's time to talk about the best anime I have seen in a long time. Hey, I think breaks. I watched that. <laughs> There's something I've been break. watching. Hey, have you heard of this Sworn of the Stranger? It's really cool. <laughs> He's sort of a stranger. Sort of. Time now to review Sword of the Stranger. That is the correct title. That is it. That is that is the title. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. Um, it's created by Studio Bones, who you may know from Full Metal Alchemist, the Cowboy Bebop movie, Eureka 7, and Darker Than Black? Yes, I believe so. Um, it is directed by Masahiro Ando, who has not directed... Well, he directed something after it. This is the first thing he directed. He did, like, key animation on Ghost in the Shell and Jinro and Metropolis, so... We have oh no goodness, measure of... we need to of... do a show on Jinro. Yes, I'm, I'm getting those DVDs soon from... Uh... I could talk about them. <laughs> yeah, I am, uh, I'm going to watch that very soon, though. So we can't pretty much... Like, we don't have any knowledge of this director's influences, so we're really just going to talk about the important hell of a start, parts though. of this movie. That is movie. a hell of a first project. Yes. So instead of talking about like the artistry of the movie, let's talk about the awesome things that happen in this movie. Because <laughs> this, if you have listened to episode 13 of the Anti Gamers podcast, our best episode in my opinion. 
it is about Gorgol 13. And that was just Mitchie and I high-fiving high the entire episode. It was a virtual high-five for like yes. an hour. That, oh, that was good times. No, seriously, this movie has a, a, a dude whose whip is like a fucking wrecking ball. He's in a hut, and he whips the ground, and the ground explodes. I don't remember that dude What? Now. Oh, dude, that was awesome. It was like the first oh, time... Oh, yes, now I remember him. That was like the first dude. Yes. Yeah. He has like the longest whip ever. I don't know how he coordinated himself <laughs> to swing that whip that much. Anyway. That, wh- that whip wall. was wrapping around the entire house. How does he do that? I don't know what this dude's whip is made of. Damn. That is... I would hate to get hit with that. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. People have awesome weapons in this movie. There's a battle There's... axe tied to a rope, and this battle axe hits someone in the face. <laughs> there is a dude who has two scythes in one of those three-piece staffs. Like, the pieces on the end of the staff are scythes. It's so sweet. Oh, that was that was cool. That guy did cut himself up some dudes. Yeah, I want to be honest. My show notes mostly consist here of um, a list of the best things about this movie, and they're just lists of how people die, mostly. Oh, see, I avoided that, because I figured we would just come to that naturally. So my notes are like, <laughs> it takes the played-out premise of we have a small time window to do X terrible thing before having to wait a long time to do it again, and makes it interesting by injecting a dramatic story of friendship and redemption. That's my notes. <laughs> Fantastic. My notes are arrow through the neck, two scythe dude, Throwing swords twice, and a bunch of other things like okay, that. Okay, well my next note is, without having super depictive violence, it's still some of the best oh-snap violence ever. <laughs> yes, it is. We have not talked about the plot. To be honest, the plot doesn't matter. It's just like Gogo 13. There's a kid and a dog, and dudes want the kid, because he's got yeah. blood, and they're going to drain the blood, and they're going to become immortal. Whatever. Yeah, why, so what? Who, what do we care about that? Also, there's Chinese people. The bad guys are Chinese. Also, there are Japanese guys who are bad also. Except the, the, the blonde guy is definitely American. <laughs> well, he's, he could be German or something. Yeah, he he's definitely Western. And he's, I guess, he's called Luolang. I'm not going to say that Chinese name, but something like that. Luolang. And he, uh, I guess, lives in China and was sort of indoctrinated into the Chinese culture. But he's got blonde hair. And they right, he's, talk he's about part it. of the Ming Dynasty, and the Ming Dynasty is chasing yeah. this kid who apparently ran away from the Dynasty. Spoiler, sorry, that's a little bit of a, a spoiler. Whatever. Yeah, this whatever. kid ran away from the Ming Dynasty, and they want him back because they have a small window to take this kid's blood to create a drug that will turn them into immortals. Yeah, and then the Japanese people... I'm not even sure why the Japanese people are after them. What, the, the Lord... Wants, he doesn't want the immortality, right? He just wants to screw over the Chinese. He's just like, God, I, I hate those really Chinese. Follow, I could not follow those guys' involvement. Yeah, I think he, as far as I understood, he just goes like, immortality. Eh, that probably doesn't exist, but I hate Chinese people. The only <laughs> so reason the Japanese people in this movie exist is so that that one guy, the archer, can get hit in the face with a battle axe tied to a rope. Yes. <laughs> That's it. That's the only reason. Okay, so... Are we going to do... Th- I don't even know where we're going with this. What is, okay. Um, what are other awesome ways that people die? Well, uh, man, we are going to spoil all the best parts of this movie. Whatever, deal with it. We do are this we? all the time. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> the, I can never remember anyone's names because they're all Japanese. and I'm really doesn't matter. Or they're Chinese, which is the dude, even harder. The stranger who has a sword. Wait, which one? The, the point of the movie is they're both strangers. 
Yeah, well, the dude who has his sword tied up, so he can't use it. Yes, okay, he's the good guy, and he's called No Name. Is that right, a spoiler? Not a shooter, I don't care. He's called No Name because he has no name. So the whole movie, he's got this sword that's tied up, and he doesn't want to use it for whatever reason. And it keeps doing these flashbacks to why yeah. he's this dark and mysterious stranger, which actually like ends Kenshin. up being kind of cool and fucked up dark. Yeah. But he, when he finally busts it out, he chops a man in half and then throws this thing like a boomerang into a guy's neck from like 150 yards away. Yes, that was so good. And I think, that, isn't that the second time somebody throws a sword in the movie? If I'm not mistaken. It is, and I don't remember the first one. It was it really was the, early Was on. the first one the Luolang guy at the beginning? I think he throws a sword. Something like yeah. that. With the, at the beginning, the bandits attack the Chinese people in the rain. And they're, like, shooting the arrows, and then I think at the end, uh, yes. he, he picks up a fallen sword, and then as the guy is, like, running toward him, he just throws yeah, it at the back the sword of him. Right in his face. Yeah, just, just stabs him in the face. So it is the second time that a, a katana is thrown. Think about that. Uh, she kills a man by hitting him in the neck with a sheath and breaking his neck by stabbing him in the throat with a sheath. Yeah, with a sheath. <laughs> with a sheath. He doesn't even take his sword out until the end of the movie, and he's still killing dudes everywhere. It's he like, also why? knocks a man out by hitting him in the head with a boiling pot of tar or something. Or food. Yeah. Maybe it's food. The question is, if you hated killing people, why are you killing people with your sheath? Why not unsheath the sword? Eh, he doesn't hate killing people. He's just not down with it. <laughs> but he killed. He definitely killed that dude with the sheath. He definitely so did. I, he snapped his yeah. neck. <laughs> So that what's the so point gross. of keeping his sheath? Oh, yeah, I know, pull right? That sheath back and the dude's like neck like turned into this bubbling lump of purple. That's yeah, disgusting. yeah. Oh god, yeah, that's pretty bad. Oh right, have we talked about dog yet? I think we talked about we him earlier. About anything? We've just been going on for six minutes about all the best parts <laughs> of this movie. People don't even know what it's about, and I tried to we, explain that. We we described matter. that. I, I think they've they've got enough of that. Well, there's but a shoot in you in this movie, and he jumps up yeah. on a dude's neck and rips his throat out. Oh, God. That was so awesome. I realized after I watched it, the dog kills more people than the kid. Does like, the kid kill anyone? No, that's what I mean. The oh, dog okay. kills the at kill least Kevin one Zero. person and, like, injures a bunch of other people. The kid just whines. This dog also catches a knife in his teeth. Does he? You, that's how he saved, for... he saved the, uh, the stranger's life, and that's how like, the dog got poisoned. Yes, yes, okay. See, like, there's so many awesome things. I just keep forgetting about a bunch of them. But well, yes, just, he does catch a knife. They overshadow each other because there's so many. I know. Each one is better than the last one. Like, what's weird about this is this is a really good movie. Like, this is an incredible mm. movie with a great story. It's got really likable characters. Oh, well, I don't know. That, that's the one plot. part. And all we yeah. care about is the violence. And it's because it's so good. I will, I will argue it does not really... Well... It doesn't have a bad plot, but it has just a serviceable right, plot. Right, like, the plot is played out, but it, it does enough things to change it and make it more interesting that it, yeah, actually, it becomes worthwhile. Are we? Yeah, we're, we're spoiling everything here, right? I mean, people have probably, a bunch of our listeners have probably listened to David Joel's review of it, and they spoiled a bunch of stuff, I think, because I haven't listened to their review. I have, and I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> so, Which means I need to go back and listen now that I've actually watched this movie. Uh, yeah, I do want to say... They don't kill the dog. That's a spoiler alert. Dude, I was so happy. I was convinced I know. From, the, from the first second of that movie that dog is going to die, and I'm going to be very sad. Yeah, I was, predicting, I, I was like, predicting a Shadow of the Colossus. I was like, that dog's going to die. They're attaching us to the dog so the dog can get killed by the blonde dude so that we can hate the blonde dude. And then he didn't right. kill the dog. I was like, 
wait a sec, movie. What are you doing? That was a relief, because I love Shiba Inus. Those things are awesome. We had an Akita for like 15 years, and this thing is like a miniature Akita. Yeah. So I was I was glad that it did that. Um, I was also very much expecting the two uh, the two main characters, the the Chinese guy and and no name to, to uh, kill each other. To kill each other. That I was so waiting for it. And but at it, the same time, like the way that fight ends is another cliche. Like this movie's full of yeah, cliches yeah. that work. Like he pulls it out. It's like oh the Bible stop the bullet kind of moment. Exactly. It's it's still a cliche, but it avoided another cliche. <laughs> Did it ever say what that? treasure was like is it just like a brick of plutonium it's a, it's a gemstone of some okay. <laughs> plutonium he was actually getting cancer he was gonna die anyway exactly <laughs> that's why he was so exhausted on the horse ride at the end yeah. <laughs> oh you little kid trying to pass off your plutonium okay so uh I'll, see we're talking so much about the action but like technically uh technically is not a good word to use there but uh, the the craftsmanship in this movie is what I should say is spectacular. Uh, the animation, like the animation, so good. the direction, the cinematography, the it's music, like a, the music is oh, God. fucking phenomenal. That was um, there it were parts where I was like this. Good. I was like this writing is sort of boring and stuff, but the music was like making me emotionally connected to it. I was like this music is just so good that it is pulling me into writing that well, would otherwise end, just be passive. The Japanese people invade the castle, yeah, the fortress or whatever, and it's almost got this like weird, almost film score epicness kind of touch to yeah, it. Yeah, it, it is like a film score, but it's got a very traditional Japanese sound to it. A lot right, of uh, really heavy drums, which is awesome. And it's just it, yeah, it really does pull you in and make you like it more. It's better than the standard, just like, almost theme song music that comes with a lot of shows, where you just yeah. get this catchy beat, and you're like, okay, I remember that song. That's the that's the Samurai Champloo theme song. Right, I, I actually, just going back to Captain Tyler, which I mentioned before, that show annoys me a bit, because it it uses the same song in the background of everything all the time. And this is, this does not feel like any other anime, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's other anime music that's probably like it, but it's like very few scores that I have ever heard in an anime film before. It's very very epic, like the movie itself. Definitely, which is weird because it's not really an epic movie in any in any form at all. Because it's about this dude right. and this kid who have this deal and they're just they're stuck with each other because of this deal. And it's really focusing just on this kid, this dude and their dog, basically. The kid's dog. So you've got this really small scale movie with this epic score and it somehow really it works really well. Yeah, um, I know in in terms of uh, the animation, I was talk when I was watching this with my friends, we were joking that Bones is pretty much just showing off all the time in this movie. Oh. They're like, "Hey, every other studio in Japan, do you have the balls to like do a slow motion shot of waves breaking on the ocean with the moon reflected in the water, or a <laughs> right? sword fight where we animate every single drop of water while animating the sword fight. There was a really cool shot in the end, one of the last fights, where they kick up this snow cloud, and yes. you can still see them fighting in it, like you see the sword clangs, right. and it doesn't like do this anything cheap with it, like the snow fades away and you see these dudes fighting in it. Yeah. Like it's like this well, fight, they animated these dudes fighting and then just like had this weird snowy animation over top and didn't sacrifice anything. It looks really phenomenal. I love well, it. Well, they've got that great moment where uh, Luo Lang just like leaps out of the, the snow and you see his face and he looks crazy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like grinning. <laughs> uh, he looks terrifying in that picture. 
yeah, the like the animation is just good all the time. Every every animation. There's a part where the kid, um, whose name is Kotaro, he runs. I forget what it is, but he's like he's standing over by a river, and then he runs over toward No Name, and slips in a puddle of water. Right, it's when he's, he's like getting the water for the forward. dog, and he's, he slips yeah. in the water, and he's about to spill it, so he puts the water in his mouth and uses his yeah. arms to gain balance again. And, he had this and the animation on that hand. is so fluid. I was like, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, you didn't, you didn't need to do that. He could have just walked over there with it. Right, but they, they animated that whole sequence. Yeah, you could have just carried this bucket of water to the dog. Right. But, yeah, yeah, it lots is of really nice beautifully animated. Like and the art, all the, the background art and everything is really nice. Nicely painted backgrounds and everything. There's like a lot of really weirdly rich detail. Like just unnecessarily yeah. detailed backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. Like all the forests they walk through and right. things. It is. It's funny. It's we're talking about how people get stabbed in the throat with an arrow in the first five minutes of the movie, and yet the I can't help but describe the movie as beautiful. Like in terms of the music and the animation and the background art and everything, it's a beautiful movie. Even though it's also just a very brutal movie in terms of the action. Right. And one thing I think they did really well in terms of the violence is. That, they don't really depict it as, like, check out these brains that are flying all over the place. Check it out. This dude's yeah. arm got cut off. Like, things just happen. Guys get caught in half. They lose their head. And you're like, oh, there was that guy's head. He's gone. That guy's out of the frame now. Forever. Gone. And they don't mm. focus on the scenes for too long. They don't have these extended fight scenes with it's dramatic It's not gratuitous. Right. And at the end, there are these Japanese and Chinese guys fighting. And they've kind of built up these characters as, like, these elite warriors. So you assume, oh, these are the top-notch dudes. Like, the generals, they're not going to die. But they'll, they will just wipe yeah. these guys out without focusing on it at all. So, well, that guy's gone forever, I guess. He was yeah, it, has the, it has that great, like, feeling that a, a lot of things that depict war try to get where, you know, you think someone's invincible and then just like that, they're gone. There yeah. are characters who just, there's a, I think in that end fight, there's a guy who runs in and you're like, oh, he can't die. You know, like, he just had a scene that, that makes it clear that he's not going to die. And within a couple seconds, he's dead. And you're like, wait, what? Right, like, they <laughs> have, they have these uh, archers. And one of them is, like, this female archer. And she's she looks different than anybody else. She's got fancier armor. She's got stylish hair. And she has, like, a bunch of speaking parts. And you're like, oh, she's a big deal. But in, like, <laughs> she's there for, like, 15 frames. Yeah. And she gets an arrow in the eyeball. And that's it. You never see her again. It doesn't linger. Yeah. It doesn't focus on it. It's like, she's gone. That's it. Yeah, and, and I mean, at the end of that movie, there's pretty much nobody left. Yeah, there were, like, probably 100 people fighting that battle, and there are three dudes left. Uh, yeah, and some of the, like, you know what was one of the weirdest deaths? The old guy, the old Chinese guy? <laughs> that was hysterical. <laughs> what his was arm that? Was dangling. That was one time they did linger on the violence. Like, hey, check it out. This dude's arm is kind of still connected to him. Gross, and right? <laughs> what, what is, okay, here's what happens. The guy's holding up a gun because he, he shot, like, the Shogun who was in the middle of an honorable fight with Luo Lang. And he just shoots him in the middle of it. He's like, huh, we gotta get rid of these guys quickly. And Luo Lang is like, oh, snap, son. I was having an honorable battle here, and you just shot him with a gun. And so later, he's about to shoot No Name with the same rifle. <laughs> and just, I was expecting Luo Lang to, like, kill him, like, cut his head off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He, he cuts the barrel of the gun off, and I was like, oh, he just cut the barrel off. And then I realized that the guy's arm is dangling from, like, his, the lower end of his arm is dangling. Right, like, he's just getting, his, his arm. arm is severed, except it's still connected to the elbow, <laughs> so it's at this 90-degree angle. And he's just and sitting there like, you bastard, what is wrong with you? 
What, like, what did he get cut with, though? A lightsaber? He's not bleeding. He does spurt a little bit. When he turns <laughs> to face him, and you've got this, like, profile view of him, his arm spurts a little. Yeah. Just a little and bit. And his, his face is hilarious, because he, I could almost see him saying, Hey, man, what's up with that? He's just like, dude, come on. <laughs> He's like, dude, dude, you just cut my arm off, man. What's up with that? He cuts his other arm off, too, when he pulls out his Yeah, sword. I know. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this movie's oh, ridiculous. Oh, that guy. <laughs> that guy deserved that death. He was like, I'm old. That means I deserve to be immortal. It's like, no, you deserve to have no arms left, buddy. <laughs> Die without any dignity whatsoever. <laughs> and the Chinese, it, I, feel like I, I feel like I was watching Mulan. Because the Chinese keep talking about honor so much. They're just like, <laughs> it's all about honor. These Japanese people don't understand Chinese honor. I didn't catch on to that, but you're right. Oh, yeah, speaking of Chinese, did you watch this in the dub or the sub? I do believe I had a fan sub because I did not have a DVD. Could not get the DVD in time. Okay. Um, so you watched it subtitled. So here's the weird thing if you watch the dub. Maybe I like need to look over the DVD. Maybe I missed something. But uh, in the English dub, everybody, it's pretty cool. Everybody speaks in English when they're speaking, you know, English is the equivalent of Japanese. But when characters speak Chinese, they are speaking in Chinese. The problem is, there aren't subtitles for the Chinese. Really? Okay, weird. Because uh, in mine, people, it was uh, subbed, like fan subs. So people were speaking in Japanese, but I had the English subs. But when anyone in anyone from China spoke, anyone in the Ming Dynasty, there were Chinese subtitles. You mean Japanese subtitles? Oh, yeah, them, they must have been Japanese subtitles. Yeah, so yeah, there were Japanese okay, subtitles yeah, for the Japanese people to understand. <laughs> yeah, here, and here's the... English with English subtitles, even though you don't <laughs> speak English. Uh, but the, the confusing thing is, it has a subtitle track, and that translates the, the Chinese. It just doesn't apply. Oh, it does apply. Okay. So here's what you can do. You can watch the dub with the subtitle track going, but it's not the same dialogue. It's not a, a dub title track, as they're called. So you're reading slightly different English dialogue, and it'll translate to Chinese, but there's no option to have subtitles for just the Chinese. That is very the strange. Way, the way like an American movie works, when someone speaks in Chinese and everybody else is speaking English, you get subtitles. Yeah. And it's a shame because the dub is pretty good. I, it's a, you know, I, I, some people don't like Bang Zoom's dub, and I believe it is a Bang Zoom dub. Uh, what else have they done? Uh, most Bandai shows. That's why I'm assuming it's Bang Zoom. Uh, they did like Gurren Lagann, which I liked. A lot of people don't I like don't that I don't like dub. that dub. Sorry, Kai. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, I, I think it was a pretty good dub. It you know, was not silly. It was, uh, other than the, the kid, Kotaro, can be a little annoying. But I think he was annoying even in the Japanese, I would assume. His character no, he was just, just That annoying. was just his character. He was just bratty. Yeah. I thought... He was a well, good his voice he was fit. His voice fit the brattiness, which is why I'm like, I don't really want to blame them for that. Right, like he just had this attitude, like I'm paying you to do a job, so I'm your boss. Right. That was kind of like a theme throughout, actually. The whole yeah, he keeps uh, what a no boss. name keeps calling him boss, and yeah, he, yeah little like little boss. <laughs> so, is is there anything you didn't like about this movie? No, like I I think I actually like this more than you do because I like it as a like it is a film, like flat out. It's not just like a dumb anime movie. Like it is. It is really well put together. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I I mentioned most... I think I mostly mentioned the stuff I didn't like, which was just that it's it's sort of... I, I think it's a little bit shallow, the plot, and, it, you know, it's not very um, not very original. There's stuff like 
uh, Lua Long is not very well developed. He, he's just a crazy guy who likes. Yeah, you're like, okay, a he's a badass swordsman. Got it. Right. So it's like everybody's really simple. I mean, I, I do like No Name's got that sort of Kenshin esque backstory that's pretty interesting. He gets a he gets some well integrated flashbacks that I was not uh, sort of taken out of the experience by. Yeah, normally that's really hokey. Like, oh, he's got a mysterious past. No, it was really good, and is kind of disturbing. And understandable why he uh, keeps that sword tied up and never uses it. Yeah, that that scene was well done. <laughs> like, because it doesn't focus on it again. Like, it doesn't linger on the violence. Right. Yeah. That's what made that so effective. That scene did not. Yeah, it was not brutal. Right. You just heard it, and you were just like, "Wow, that is." But yeah, you up. knew what was happening, and it was pretty screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I I don't know if you would agree with me on this. I thought sometimes it was it got sort of boring between the fight scenes, but maybe Definitely. that's just the fight scenes are but so awesome. I kind of like that. It was almost like, if you've ever seen, like, a like a regular Japanese film, not animated, like, film, there right. it's it's really slow a lot of the time because there's all this exposition between characters, and it's usually just a lot of talking. And I, I really like that because it, even though it was confusing a lot of the time, like, I did not know who the Japanese were or why they cared <laughs> yeah. anything at all. But I still was really interested any time that stuff came up. Yeah, it was, I, I just thought sometimes I was sitting around like, oh, all right, you know, I'm just just sort of waiting for the next fight scene. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I want to know, when, <laughs> when's somebody going to throw a sword into someone's mouth? Yeah. Uh, and that's that's most of the, like, I didn't have much of a problem with it. I mean, it's just such a, it's so much fun to watch. You will be cheering nonstop through this movie. Right, like, the action is so well choreographed. Yeah. That it's like... It's believable, but at the same time, ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's it's over the top, but it's... I mean, other than, like, throwing swords and things, it's pretty realistic. Right. Dudes are having, like, really cool sword fights. Oh, and tons of flips. Those flips in the sword fights were awesome. Definitely. Yes. So, I think we've... we've uh, This well has, has run dry. You gotta watch this movie, though. It is... I, I think a good way to describe it is just it's a lot of fun. It's not... Not exactly, you know, the most deep original plot you will ever watch, but it's just fun to watch. It is like, fun, and there is a bit of substance if you're like looking. Yeah, it's for not it's not completely shallow and, and you know vapid. It's it's got something to it enough to, to keep you going if you like drama, but you know you have to like action to like this movie. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can't be like I hate violence and then come into this expecting some sort of like deep character drama, because it's got enough character drama to keep you going, but it's an action Tons movie. of dudes die, like, yeah. without <laughs> any hesitation. They, they will just kill people. Non-stop. Right. Yeah, so I say get a bunch of people together and watch this movie, because that's the setting I watched it in, and it's just great for that, because you've got everybody just cheering every time something awesome happens. <laughs> yeah, so any other final thoughts from you? No, sir. I think we uh, geeked out over it, almost on a Golgo 13-esque level of high-five-itude. Yeah, virtual high-five, done. Sort of the Stranger, highly recommended by the Anti-Gamers Podcast. <laughs> That's it. We're gonna, I gotta promote ending things. I guess you can promote what you're doing on uh, Downright Fierce and anything else. Man, are you crazy? That website gets updated so little these days. So uh. rarely? Yeah, really rarely, because I'm just doing so much of the stuff. Plus, I'm moving soon for school, so that really slows oh, right. things down. I don't know. Um, 
Well, uh, who are you writing for now? I'm sorry, I oh can't goodness. keep up with all the uh, freelance. You can read <laughs> my junk in official Xbox magazine. Actually, the, na- the, la- the latest issue that just came out has Splinter Cell Conviction on the cover. That's a really good issue. There's some, there some good stuff in there, aside from the stuff I wrote. There's some good Modern Warfare 2 features, <laughs> and Assassin's Creed 2 stuff that I did, and there's some good stuff around that for sure. All right. Go with that. That's, right. that's what I'll promote. Go team. That's good. Subscribe today <laughs> for the low, low price of $24.95. <laughs> As for Annie Gamers, Brotherhood Diaries talked about it last episode, but in case there are new listeners, I like to just reiterate it is uh, our writer Inc. is comparing the original Full Metal Alchemist with the new Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood series. That's Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood Diaries. Check that out. I'm I have not, not been reading those because I really want to watch the new series, but I haven't gotten right. to it yet. It's it's really really cool. It's uh, I mean I don't I didn't even watch the original Full Metal Alchemist, but I enjoy reading it every because I have to read it to edit it every week and I enjoy it um so that's that's about all I mean I haven't officially announced this but we are doing a um we're doing a a best of 2009 thing but unlike last year where we tried to have everybody vote which didn't really work because not everybody's is playing every game and watching every anime and reading every manga you don't need votes Uh, to know that Assassin's Creed 2 is the best game of the year fact (laughs) full stop so instead of that, we have uh, our one of our new staff picks features, which we did for Halloween, if you, if you are a reader of the site and you remember that. Uh, and I'm having everybody pick their two favorite things, whether anime, manga, or video game of the past year, and just describe why they like those two things so much. And that'll just be, you know, you'll just get recommendations from all of our uh, staff members, including people who don't usually write reviews, like our new copy editor, Sean. Um, that should be going up next week, maybe, depending on when everybody gets their stuff in and when I edit it all together. And when this podcast goes out, you can be like, yeah, oh, next week, this podcast Oh, right, right, yeah, next week years. after when this was recorded. Which is December which, 14th. Right, so probably the, this Christmas podcast time. is coming out after that. So I, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed our staff picks for, uh, for 2009, uh, I don't know what they are right now. Uh, other things, uh, in case you haven't figured it out, we have a website. It is called AnnieGamers.com. And we have <laughs> we have news and reviews and all sorts of other things like features and editorials, interviews about anime, manga, and video games. Sort of like this podcast, but in text form. And you can subscribe to this podcast at feeds2.feedburner.com slash Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and then you can write us a review. Please do that. That'd be awesome. You can check out more. Inf- I keep talking about what you can do. So um, <laughs> check out more information about this podcast at podcast.anygamers.com. You will find... Uh, you can find. You will you can, find. You might uh, find us. <laughs> there, there. You will find um, blog posts, and then you can comment on why you hated the episode, or why you loved it, preferably the latter. Uh, and also, if you want to get in contact with us, podcast at anygamers.com is our email address, and we will read your email, and we will probably read it on the show unless you say something really, uh, really embarrassing about us, and then we will kill you and your whole family. With Shiba Inus. Yes. <laughs> we, will, we will have them bite you in the throat, and you're really going to regret it. So that is, that's it, unless I forgot something big. Oh, right, Twitter. There we go. Twitter.com slash Annie Gamers is the Annie Gamers 
well, yeah, it's the Annie Gamers Twitter page. Uh, and there's a, lit, there's a list on there for our staff. So it's got, uh, you can follow that list, and then you can follow all of our staff that are on Twitter, which is me, Mitchie, uh, Uncle Yo, Chris, and Elliot, I believe, are all the people on Twitter. So you can follow them via that list. I am twitter.com slash Bamtavo, and Mitchie is twitter.com slash MitchieD. That's, maybe that's it. I think that's the end. Sure. We're going to say goodbye. See ya. Bye. That was, that was abrupt. least enthusiastic <laughs> goodbye, Mitchie. <laughs> what was that? We're, we have to be happy that we're, well, I guess we're sad that we're saying goodbye. But you can't just be apathetic good and saying goodbye. Yeah, God, I hate you guys. You Stop listening now. to my podcast. Uh. I don't want to make this thing anymore. Jeez, you guys disgust me. Video chat, let's face it, is awkward. It's one of those things. It's like we all wanted video phone. It's like jetpacks. When we get jetpacks, we're all going to be like, remember when we wanted jetpacks? These are sort of lame. <laughs>